Welcome back to Welcome. Chasing Sunday, the podcast uh, where my friend Paul Romaglebet and I um, talk about worship and getting worship leaders off the ministry treadmill. Stop chasing Sunday after Sunday, and this is our last episode of season two. Right, you made it through a whole season. Way to go with us! Yeah, and a great season it was. Yeah, it was so many oh. great guests. Yeah, so many like I, I was really impressed at that. That there was enough people who like us that would uh, <laughs> show up and talk to us. Well, I don't know <laughs> if they if they like us. Yeah, or I if, know that's a bit of a stretch. Or maybe they liked us. They liked and us. then they were on the podcast and were and like, were like oh, "I man. will never talk to those people." I've made again. a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. How can we delete that from the internet? Yeah. Um, no, no, I it think was, they all loved it. Yeah, it was. Um, Man, uh, just from the from the get go uh, with with Tommy and then with Allie and Deb, um, those first two episodes of the season were just fantastic. Um, so uh, and and honestly, I having done the first season mostly by myself, um, having having you Paul step in and and kind of you know help find great guests and I mean. First season had great guests too, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, but there's something to be said for not just trying to soldier through this on my own. So thank you for uh, for jumping in and and <clears throat> excuse me helping me helping helping us. Yeah, because you you helped both of us. Yeah, no, you I helped yourself. I hundred percent agree. Like I was really, I did help myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm really grateful that you allowed me to kind of crash the party and. Oh. Uh, Come in and um, make a bunch of noise, and uh, because it was sort of a re- revelation for me about what really lights me up is mm. being in conversation with people who mm. care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess right. that's the that's the the um, the theme across all of our guests. Right, is um, people care about the church. People care about transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not willing to sit on the sidelines and just kind of phone it in. Yeah. Even if they have disagreements, right. you know, even right. if they've got pain and hurt and, and wounds from the church, that they're not throwing their hands up and going like, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Um, it's it. like we have seasons of times where we got to – we need space. Yeah. But at the same time, these people are always sort of coming back and into it. Um, at what What are some of the – when it, some of the highlights, when the people that that you really enjoy, the conversations you really enjoyed looking back over the season. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I think uh, uh, Allie and Deb's uh, episode, episode, the second episode of the season um, was, was phenomenal. I just – one, I don't think I – mean, one of the reasons that, that I think Torn Curtain Arts exists, one of the reasons that this podcast exists is because it – it's just becoming more and more clear that worship leaders and I mean people on church staff in general aren't being given enough space to care for themselves, for their souls, for their hearts. Um, and so, for uh, I think for Allie and Deb to come on and and share uh, their perspective on you know what what soul care looks like for people in ministry. Um, it was was invaluable. Yeah. Um, so, uh, which is, it's so valuable. It's invaluable. Invaluable. Right. So, um, so I thought, yeah, that was that was great. Um, I did. 
the episode that you recorded with uh, with Josh Gafka, and and I want to play uh, want to play a clip of it uh, here in just a minute. Um, was was fantastic. I think Josh has um, Josh has such a great perspective on ministry, um, and it's I know it's similar to yours because you both come from similar backgrounds, uh, from uh, more of a theater background. Mm-hmm. But the perspective that you have because of that, um, I think, is just it, – it's really refreshing uh, but also really challenging um, because I think you understand uh, probably more than, than most people do kind of the performance side of, of leading worship and being on stage and being on the platform, um, which I think is, is important to think about because, you know, for so many years – probably even up to now, like that, that word performance has gotten such a bad rap in worship circles um, and in the church in general that we, I think we've forgotten that what, what pastors do, what worship leaders do, what musicians do um, when they get on stage, it is a performance. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad word. Mm -hmm. Um, What the, you know, what the Levites did back in the Old Testament when they would, <laughs> when they would, you know, get up and, and perform these rituals in front of the people. Yeah. Those were performances. And were in like <clears throat> expected by the community, priests, Levites, we want, we, we, um, we identify you, we call you, right. we, whatever, we, we, we authorize you yeah. to stand up here, right. say the words of the people. Do the actions of the people, right. and we sort of elect you. We rep- right. you're our representative as a way of reminding us and guiding us into the activity. Yeah, and that is a performance. And I think that that the the controversy came as a reaction to a industrialized, commercialized. Sure. Christian American church that right. says like, oh, it's not about me. Oh, it's not It's not a performance. Right. It's like all these sort of things where I was like, well, yeah, but you're having to say that now as a corrective. Right. Because of right. how you really lost the plot. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I think what and, – and I think some of what Josh gets into uh, in this clip is, you know, is that we – we did all the performance without and but we took away the opportunity for participation from the people. That's a lot of P words. Yeah. All all at once. So many P's. The performance took away the participation of the people. <laughs> um and so uh yeah, I'm really putting this pop filter to work here. Uh sure. so anyway, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Josh talk about it just a little bit. Um this is from uh, episode seventeen. Uh, with uh, with Josh Gaffigan. He's talking about uh, the theater of the oppressed. Um, and uh, I'll come back and sort of uh, uh, mention some things that, that I liked uh, as a part of that. I, I had a chance during my, my, my theater career and my, my ministry career to discover early on what's called um, theater of the oppressed. Yeah. So Augusta Boal mm-hmm. is this, this theater practitioner out of Brazil who had a chance to study with and um and he he started I could do can I can I explain some let's of that? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Because I would this love is really to know because yeah, this it's is really not the, the basis. Because yeah. there's there's two like there's two aspects for me when I approach worship ministry and really ministry just in general, church sanctuary in general, I think of it 
kind of these these two ways. One, I, I see it as a theater artist. You know, what's the space that we're in? The space is so important. How are we yeah. sitting? Yeah. What what message are we communicating to people as soon as they walk in? So yeah. I could talk bunches about that and yeah. production value and 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 um and that aspect of it. But then this other aspect of it, which is what I brought to the refuge that night is this theater of the oppressed work that he did. And he was a theater practitioner in Brazil, like I mentioned, back in the 50s, 60s, he had this group called the Arena Theater. Mm-hmm. And they would um, they would do theater for the people. So they wanted to show people how their lives could be. So mm-hmm. here, look, on, look at the stage. Here is the example of, of what lives, you know, what the ideal is, right? Mm-hmm. Not, a, not unlike if you think about sitting in a church with really high production values, people are sitting there going, oh, that's how I should sing. That's how I should dress. That's the theology I should believe in. Right. This is how, you know, they're up there practicing. You know, it's this very, um, it's, it's not pre-Vatican II, the post-Vatican II, where they're all, they're not facing away from us, but they've turned and they're facing towards us yeah. and they're they're showing us what we should be emulating. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he was doing. And then two things happened to him and kind of, um, and kind of a, post-Vatican II style where, you know, when the Catholic Church had to rethink itself, put its stuff into the vernacular, um, turn the priests around to face the people. Boal's group did did two of those things. They they realized, hey, the people that we're trying to attract are actually not coming. Mm -hmm. They're not not here. Mm -hmm. They're actually out in the suburbs and in the rural areas. We're not not getting to the people that we need to get to that Mm -hmm. can make the change. Mm -hmm. And so they had to get rid of their space and go out into mm-hmm. into the into the su- suburbs and rural areas to take their theater to the people, and they took their theater to the people, but they're still do- doing this emulate us thing. Hey, if you want to rise up against your your the, the ruling class, mm-hmm. um, the the people that are oppressing you, here's how you take up guns. Here's how you or take up arms. Here's how you you fight for your your freedom. And the people said, "Oh, that's so great! We love, we love that. Will you join us as we go fight for our freedom?" And the actors said, "Oh no, no we're <laughs> we're we're just actors." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, can we borrow your weapons that you were using during the play? Because we're going to need arms if we're going to fight this revolution." And uh, Boal's actor said, "Oh, these are just props." And they said, "Okay, so you've come all the way out here, and you are." showing us how to go shed our blood for our rights in this revolution that you're encouraging and you're just going back to your city lives and take your props back with you. You have no risk in this. You have no. And so yeah. they revolted against the actors mm. and it, and it caused Boal to rethink his methods. And he realized, Oh, if we really want these people to practice what we know as, you know, th- these educated people from the city, we know how they could fight for their freedom um, and we're showing them that we need to get them up on stage and we need to get them practicing this, these actions and to, to try out things, to look towards the future and to say, hey, let's try to solve the problem this way. And then we as actors need to respond to that. And so he developed this idea of what's called the spectator. So mm, spectator and right. actor. Yes. Isn't it? I love yes. this stuff. Yeah. This is great. And so he said there's, there's, there's going to be a blur of the lines between the people in the audience and the people on stage. And we're all going to be of a piece and we're all going to create the story together. And my actors are going to have to learn Mm -hmm. how to be responsive Mm -hmm. to the audience because we may come with some ideas. Hey, this is how you rise up and revolt, or this is how you solve your problem. Uh You know, if it's some kind of reform. Um, 
but they may bring different ideas to us and we have to respond yeah. in a very educated way and know how to have this conversation. Yeah. And so he blurred those lines and it became this, this beautiful togetherness yeah. that, that re- so I had the chance to, to go in and do some workshops using this technique for organizations, for colleges and, uh-huh. and, um, and, uh, other types of organizations uh-huh. and, um, and discovered, oh man, this this stuff would really be useful in the church, yeah. Because we have some of that, we did, and we still do some of that. You sit, you watch. We're gonna uh-huh. throw you some songs, yeah. get you clapping a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I realized what what a liturgical thing this was. Yeah, it, it was really of the people. Yeah. So if you if you didn't get a chance to hear that whole episode, I really encourage you to to go back and and listen to it because um, one, uh, the chemistry between Paul and Josh was was brilliant. Um, Josh is he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's super intelligent. I just like I didn't have to do much. He just is like let him go, yeah. and I was like I yeah. was enraptured. <laughs> yeah, he's so he's so smart and so well spoken. Um, a couple of things from what he he talked about. Um, that, that stood out to me is um, one, this idea that the, the people that you're leading um, and I think this is really important for worship leaders, the people that you're leading want to know that you're in the trenches with them. They don't want to know that you're just this like disembodied, you know, uh, perfect, you know, paragon of spirituality who stands on stage and sings songs about Jesus. Like they want to know that you are, that you're one of them, that you struggled with the same things that they struggle with, um, that you hurt the same way that they hurt. Um, and so I, you know, when we talk about, you know, performance and, and all that kind of stuff, don't get so caught up in in your performance that you completely lose yourself and lose your humanity mm-hmm. and lose your connection with your community. Um because ultimately, that's why you're there. You are there to to lead these people, and you can't lead if you're not in touch with with who you're leading. And so, I just thought that was that was really important. Um, you're not just an actor on on the stage; you are actively participating in all of this stuff uh, with your people. Um, and, and you know, I want to encourage you, as you know, kind of Josh talked about, to do what you can to blur the lines between the stage. <clears throat> and and the the audience, for lack of a better term, yeah, uh, it's be- a pretty radical. Yeah, that's a pretty radical concept. Even com- from what you were saying, is blurring the lines that were sort of established there by a religious institution or a system of religiosity to ins- in- sort of enshrine people in power, right? That said, the reason you should follow us, the reason you should listen to us and the microphone and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. is because we have at somehow reached a level of understanding or skill with this right. whole spirituality thing right. that now we're different from you. Right. And that's why we are – that's why you should follow us. And it just seemed very contrary to the yeah. message of Jesus, you know, and of a God who is with us, right. you know, who gave up things who gave up power in order to expand. So in that model, it's sort of scandalous right. to do this and scandalous to be able to break down spatial divides between stage and seat. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's yeah, I mean, even just the way that our 
that our buildings are created, mm-hmm. you know, there's there is this separation. If you're if you're in a more traditional, you know, evangelical church, there is this there there is a divide between the very first row and the steps that lead up to the stage. You know, there's there's that gap, um, and uh, it, both height wise and distance wise, like it's 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 all there, and so. Whatever you can do, if that's if that's the kind of church that you're leading in, and you're not going to be able to completely rearrange your room, you have to find other ways through your leadership to break down that divide, yeah. uh, and that requires no small amount of vulnerability. Um, and, and yeah, so it's it's I I just thought that that was that was really important. He goes on to say um, later on, like this ha- this is something that has to be handled with care. Um, and, and, and some sensitivity because people aren't, people aren't used to that. Like they're not used to having that divide bridged, you know, there is sort of a, when people come to a church, there is sort of this, uh, like will they, they, they want, they, they kind of, they don't know they want it, but they kind of want that separation. Yeah. Like don't, don't get too real or too close to me. Um, and so if you just walk in one Sunday and it's like, I'm going to tear down all these divides, um, you're going to, you're going to do probably more harm than good, uh, with your folks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's something that needs to be handled with, with sensitivity, with care. Um, but it, it can be done and I think it's necessary for us to be able to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, Check out, like I said, check out the whole episode with Josh Gafka. That's that was episode awesome. seventeen. Um, Paul, what was what was one of your one of your big highlights or some oh, of you, your highlights from? You the know year? what's funny is that I realized as we were just talking that my highlight comes from the episode I wasn't in <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that I that you were doing alone with Stephen Redden. Right. Um, it was just the last episode that we that that we uh, uh, broadcast, and um. Man, it just really hits me in the season that, that I'm at, and and I want I want to play the clip for you here, um, but it's the it's a place. Well, I'll I'll let Stephen say it's a place where he's like, um, what do we have to be concerned with um, pursuing um, when our head is just sort of like we're confused, we don't know what to do, we're thinking professionally or you know as or vocation. He's dealing with a lot of questions of vocation and career and calling it's all mixed up in there um and yeah here take a listen yeah sometimes i, I don't know who originally said this but I'll, I'll tell people this like a lot just say just keep seeking what's true and what's real and what's beautiful mm. in this world um don't don't worry about the religious aspect of it because i really believe if what we what we what we're told about Jesus through the New Testament is true, then if you seek what's true and what's real and what's beautiful, you you will find Jesus, mm. the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of confidence in in that of of allowing people to to pursue their own journey. And that looks different for everyone. And so every church has all of these people, every, you know, we'll just think about the Sunday gathering. Every Sunday morning, there are people who are skeptics and who are outside mm-hmm. the church. There's skeptics who are inside the church. Like yeah. just, just as many people are, you know, headed out the door as those who are entering the door and we have to speak to where they are. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Sunday gathering is just, it's difficult to be able to do that. So we have to create other ways, um, personal ways of engaging with people. And this is where small groups have been really mm-hmm. helpful and influential. I, I would say, 
really it was like gasoline on that fire. I, you know, while I attended for about a year at North Point, um, just sitting in the back and listening, it was when I got in a small group and began sitting down with, mm-hmm. with people and getting personal about my life and my faith that really things began to change. But <clears throat> I, I think you continue along the journey and you figure out that <clears throat> the structures and the forms are, are great and they're helpful until they're not. Right. And that there comes a point where those structures and those forms, whether it's a Sunday worship service or whether it's small group ministry, um, just aren't working for you in the same way as they used to. Even the tried and trusted, like just get up and do your devotional every do your quiet mm-hmm. time every morning. Sometimes that just feels dry and dead and that's okay. I think recognizing that's a part of the journey um, requires you, I think, to step outside and take a larger look at the the journey of faith of people across centuries. And when you begin to look at, you know, St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and what 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 some of the the spiritual fathers and mothers have have taught us about this journey, it's that that inevitably there's a place where you begin to hit a wall and you feel this desolation. Um, and to begin to understand you're not the first person to do that um, is important. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's really fantastic. Um, when he says, you know, you just have to pursue what is beautiful and what is true. Right. And um, we know that uh, it is complex. Faith is complex. Mm-hmm. So often what we want to do is retreat back to simplicity mm-hmm. and just kind of boil it down to sort of like, oh, all I need to do is. But even within scripture, you have things like, uh, you know, the the passage in Micah, walk humbly, live justly, love mercy. You know, these are right. like really, let's simplify, let's distill it down. Jesus does it, you know, like all of the the law and the prophets can right. be found in this one sentence, right? Right. So there is times where I feel like, oh, I need to lean into that. And sometimes I let myself go into the complexity and that's part of the ebb and flow of faith. But um, when I think we get a little bit in our heads, worship leaders, leaders in general, we get in our heads and especially in America about purpose. Mm. What is my purpose? Um, how am I going to know my purpose? And I think it gets um, translated often as like, what's God's will? And we can get right. so um, over anxious about that yeah. because you're never going to know. That's the thing is it can be lorded over you to some degree. Sure. It's like, how do you know? How do you know that's God's will? Yeah. Maybe God's going to have you do this. Maybe you're going to have to do this. And maybe there's too much sin in your life. And maybe that's why you're not right. in God's will. I mean – there's an endless amount of reasons that will keep you trapped in a cycle of anxiety right. and you won't do anything. Right. And until you have somebody who has – like um, Stephen in this sort of really non-anxious way, this very peaceful way, say, listen, trust that there is a spirit who is guiding you right. towards something that is true and something that is beautiful and that's going to follow that, – that's going to – this this idea of following Jesus and staying on the path of Jesus is going to outlive Christianity. Mm. I'm just going to say that. Oh no! <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to like because I I'm I'm that's part of the issue is I am not on board with Christianity that clings to um, a racist 
sexist identity. Right. I, I won't – I'll just rather not be a Christian. But I believe that following Jesus is a path yeah. that is independent from that. Right. It has cr- Christians from time to time. Sure. But not exclusively. Right. I was just – oh, man, I'm saying all sorts of crazy <laughs> oh, stuff. But, um, oh, but yeah, I loved what Stephen was saying in that episode. It was just one of my favorites. Well, and I think it, it, what what Stephen's story also kind of highlights is, is the fact that uh, you can – you can find truth and beauty outside of your job at a church. Yeah, like you're <clears throat> you're not you're not stuck there. I'm not you know I'm not saying like you know worship leader go quit your job because you can find truth and beauty anywhere and you can sing songs at any church. If you feel if you really do feel like this is this is the community that you've been placed in and that you need to be in, by all means continue to do that. Um, and and continue to pursue truth and beauty, um, but if if you're feeling like this, I'm not finding it here. I'm not finding it in this in this job in this career. It's okay to go. Like there's truth and beauty everywhere. Not like the the church doesn't have like the you know they don't hold the copyright on all truth and beauty. You know, well, <laughs> I, I, and I do think that there was a distinction that was made for me. I can't remember when, but the difference between uh, because I think a lot of theologians or, or or people in the church who really are the the, the sort of the um, the the guards, the gatekeepers no. to some degree of, yeah. of doctrine, which is very important. But they go like, oh, wait a minute. That's pantheism. That's God is everything. Uh, that is all this. And I was like, that's true. That's not what I'm talking about. Because right. there's pantheism and then there's panentheism. Mm. And panentheism is not, not, not everything is God, but God is in everything. Right. Yeah, It's a very subtle distinction, yeah. but it's very important to understanding a, a sort of a real – beautiful a, a way of of living through the world so yeah. um but yeah steven was fantastic oh he's he's been a, a just a dear friend uh for a long time and and i could i could tell lots of lots of stories about how he has impacted uh not just my ministry but my life um and uh yeah he's he's fantastic so um but i mean there was like the i, I wanted to even go back to you mentioned um Ali and Deb. Mm. That was actually one of my favorites. Yeah. I didn't realize until this moment. Actually, it is how um, uh, Ali mm. really names a group of, of women, a group of people mm-hmm. um, that are leaders yeah. that are told that they're not leaders. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in particular that's, that's moms with young kids yep. who are creative and don't and feel like they're not being creative now. Yeah. Um. I man, she just gives. I think this word of blessing. Yeah. To them and and is out there, uh, counteracting false narratives and lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, about who is a leader, who is creative, and who's not. Right. Um. That was another great one. Of course, I loved Chuck when Chuck was on. Oh yeah. Talking like, yeah. <laughs> he gets into it. That's so great. Yeah. Well, I. I I think like with with Chuck and and probably throughout this this whole season and the people that we've talked to the thing that that struck me in particular about Chuck is that like how sort of unremarkable his quote unquote conversion 
was. Yeah. You know, it was just sort of a like, uh, and then I just, you know, these things happen and, and I was like, well, maybe I'll give this a try. And yeah. it just, and it just stuck, you yeah. know, and I just like, maybe it's because of my own, my own faith journey and how I came to, you know, to faith in Christ was also very unremarkable, you know? So it's not, I didn't have this big, like cloud parting experience and a dove descending. And I'm not discounting people who have had that experience. Um, but for, for the vast majority of us, it was just God showing up in a very ordinary way saying, Hey, why don't you come follow me? Yeah. And, you know, and, and having that willingness to say either, either yes or not yet, you know, which I think is also part of Chuck's story. Like, you know, well, my brother needed that. I yeah. didn't need that. Like that, this that, was for people who need it. You that know? was definitely true. And I think he was really being, what's the word? He was really emphasizing that in that there is this this story that obviously most people have right. is that it's a crutch. Right. Any sort of faith is a crutch. Yeah. It's like, well, that person and – and, and what's fascinating is what people have in their mind about what they're capable of. Yeah. I, I mean there's a Leonard Cohen song. It's in Suzanne. It's the, the line. He says, uh, Jesus was a sailor and he walked upon the water and he knew that only drowning men could see him. Yeah. And I just like – yeah, and that's kind of the key that unlocks the whole thing. Mm. If you're not drowning, you aren't going to see him. Right. You're not if but if you're not drowning, that's a big question. Like it's like right. what are you doing right. that makes you think you're not drowning? <laughs> right. What makes you think that you've got this whole life thing nailed? No, this is this is fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm I am just floating, floating away. I am at the wheel. <laughs> Everything's you know? fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I. That made me think of uh, one of the Harry Potter movies where yeah. I, where where Harry sees for the first time like the those weird like monster horse things yeah, the that pull, yeah that pull, uh-huh. oh you know the name oh i You're do a bigger nerd we than are me. we are big um, nerds and the you know that, that pull the you know pull the uh the the carriages yeah. to from the train to you know to to the castle and and harry sees them for the first time but no one it's, it's him and uh luna and luna who can see them no one else can see it. everyone thinks they're just insane and and luna says like oh yeah only people who have who have seen or experienced death can see these things, and I'm like, oh, there are there are parts of of faith and and life and and all these things that that you really that you really don't can't experience fully or see fully until you've experienced some kind of some kind of pain or some kind of like you know loss or whatever that is. That that's well. Uh, yeah, I am – I know this is a side, tangent, yeah. but I, I feel like that is very important because what is a fate? What is this – what is this thing, uh, a Christianity that does not have that? Mm. Uh, that means it does not have vulnerability. It does not have doubt. It does not have suffering. Right. And a faith that doesn't have that, I'm highly suspect of because yeah. then it is just about power, belief, certainty, right. and – I think we've seen enough of that yeah. in history, yeah. like that kind of faith, yeah. and it is, uh, um, it's created hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
But uh, oh, this it was mm. such a great season. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, thank you for for listening. Uh, we've got uh, we're we're planning things out for for season three. Um, one of the big things that we want to highlight in the next season, um, and you've heard us talk about it um, a little bit here and there, is uh, the green room, which is a, a coaching platform and spiritual formation platform that that we've been working on at Torn Curtain, uh, specifically designed for worship leaders and people who sort of share, uh, share the creative space within church, um, just to help kind of re-engage with their heart and their soul, uh, and find new ways to engage with their mind and their strength. Um, and, and so we, we kind of want to give a little bit of a preview of that, um, as, as we get ready to talk about that in the next season. Um, it's really, the whole thing is built around four big pillars, which are outlined in the Shema, um, which is a, a prayer, uh, from Deuteronomy six, uh, you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus echoes that prayer in the New Testament as well. And we really see these things as kind of the four big pillars or the walls of the green room. Um, and it, it really starts with soul. Um, so much of, of, what we, uh, of what we get from resources uh, for, for people in ministry, especially for worship, a lot of them are, are focused on mind and strength. Like here's how to strategize really well and here's how to, uh, you know, build great programs and, and, and do really great things and, and, you know, have the endurance to be able to do those things on Sunday morning. We want to kind of flip that around. We think that, uh, and we've experienced it ourselves and we know so many other people who are in this space, other worship leaders, our souls and our hearts are not engaged in in what we're doing on on Sunday mornings or or whenever you do uh, do your your worship gatherings, um, and it's it's killing us. Um, and you know we're seeing just such a high rate of burnout among worship leaders. There are so many churches that are looking for worship leaders right now that you know they can't get anybody even interested in looking at their jobs. And I think it's because a lot of worship leaders don't want to go through that again. They don't want to get burned out. And so we want to find a way that we can we can get worship leaders together and say, let's talk about your soul. Let's talk about the things that that feed your soul, that fill your soul, that um, that heal your soul, um, and and engage with those things. So we we'll we'll spend a, a, a good portion of time talking about that. Then we move on to the heart. Um, if the, if the soul is sort of the you know kind of the the engine that makes mm-hmm. everything run. The the heart is sort of that that seat of, of I guess intuition. And uh, as we we talked about just a little bit ago uh, when we were talking about Stephen's episode, we've lost the art or the ability <laughs> to discern. Like we you know we're we're so terrified of whether or not we're in. God's will, or if we're, if we're doing things right, or if we're, you know, if, if just whatever that is, like we're, we're terrified and that's not the way that God wants us to live. And so when we engage the heart, we talk about this idea of, of faithfully and, and biblically and, and, uh, and spiritually following our intuition, um, and, and allowing, uh, walking with, uh, with God in a way that that helps us to discern where we're supposed to go in our ministries, in our lives, in our 
in our marriages, with our families, all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, so that's a, a very very broad overview of the soul and the heart. And then we start to move into some of the more practical applications of this um, with uh, with mind and strength. And Paul, I'll let you kind of unpack sure. those a little bit. Yeah, and 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 I do think that the, the sequence is really important in, in how we, we thought this should be structured, that it it's not structured in a way where we're giving like these really practical things, these hacks, these tips about how to make your work go better first, mm-hmm. even though often that's what gets gets packaged. That's right. what sells. Right. Um, Brian and I talk often about like people don't buy vitamins, they buy painkillers. Um, and that is definitely the case. So we wanted to subvert that intentionally, mm-hmm. that we start with soul, then we go to heart. Um, and heart, obviously, uh, one of the things too that I think of with heart is passion. Yeah, right. Our passion is connected there, but passion is a is a, is flammable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can it burns fast. Yeah. and if you don't if you don't care for it, it's it's uh, it can absolutely burn you out. I think yeah. heart is what burns out people. Obviously, mm. it's like I I don't know, but uh, the thing about understanding how soul and heart are connected to our minds. And that is this thing where we we talk within the green room about, you know, the the two cycles that are always involved in our in our lives. We're, we're either part of or, or contributing to a cycle of works or a cycle of grace. Mm-hmm. One that is that is moving towards um uh starting with achievement so that I can get acceptance or one that is starting with acceptance, which is the cycle of grace, and then moving toward fruitfulness. And that is one in this in this step of the, the mind, which is about how how do I understand my own significance within my community? Uh, understanding the culture, understanding ourselves within a system, uh, and, and how there are in many ways our actions are not our own. Mm-hmm. Our actions are ways in which we are acting out a script, um, and I'm I'm in a season of life where I'm like eh, that's become painfully obvious to me. Where it's mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, I thought I was this, I thought I was special, I thought <laughs> I was like this exception yeah. to the rule professionally. You yeah. know, I'm not, and you're not. <sighs> I'm just going to tell you in Jesus' name, you are not. <laughs> okay, so. We we dig into that there, and then you heard we, it here first, folks. You're not special. <laughs> you're not special. Paul says you're not special. Um, and then, and then after that, you know, that's when we kind of say, okay, are there some practical, time tested, good best practices that can help build habits? And I think that's an important thing around the strengths section is we really talk about habits mm-hmm. because I don't think. Anything gets moves forward um, from one big eureka moment that right. sets you on the right path. Right. It's th- it's a, this mythology that is like my big break, you right. know, or anything like that. Yeah, uh, it's garbage and it's keeping you away from transformation. Um, what is the truth? Is your transformation is going to be hard work through small, excruciatingly. Painful steps. <laughs> we um, are really selling yeah, this. This is, is great. Like, we are the. It's like this is the truth, people. This is how it's going to look. Um, yeah. And and at, you're going to resist it at every uh, step because I do. I think I. And I'm not saying like I'm. Um, you're you're like me or Brian. You know, like it's the case. 
universally. Yeah. I mean, I hear from any business book, any real – and I um, – not any business book, but the ones of worth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the ones that are like – they're the ones who are saying like don't buy into the myth. Things are going to come down to to a habit. It's it's structure. It's routine. So right. we have some good plans. We have some good practices. That's where we get into how how you do all this stuff in a strengths way, and then the cycle continues. Right. You know that is that is a part that's part of the thing because that yeah. strength leads to fruitfulness, not more achievement. It's just that that the achievement is there to keep you in a trap, but this fruitfulness um, actually keeps you creative and excited and back into soul. So it's going to be a great season. It's going to yeah. be less interviews with other people. It's yeah. going to be more Brian and I talking. Yeah. So I hope that's okay. Yeah. We'll have some guests. We'll, we'll, we'll have, have some people. guests. Yeah. We'll find some other people to come in here and Because people get sick of these. This, oh, yeah. This voice, I'm, your voice. If, if anyone is still <laughs> listening to this episode, I would be <laughs> shocked right now. Um, well, although we did inject, you know, some clips from other you know, other people that came in uh, earlier this season. Out of so, obligation. Yeah, out of obligation. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you do want some more information uh, on the Green Room and and, uh, and what that's about, you can go to greenroomleaders.com yeah. um, and, and find out uh, what uh, what that's all about and maybe do, do a little bit of homework and look ahead mm-hmm. uh, as we get ready to start the new season um, here in just a few months. So um, we... So it's not all serious over here. Too. No, it's not all serious over here. We it, like to have fun. There are a lot of things uh, that happen uh, before and after we record these yeah. episodes um, that, uh, well, frankly, it's just a little ridiculous. Yeah. And Danny, our our, our wonderful engineer and producer, yep. like, has been kind enough to collect all this damning evidence um, <laughs> and – and we thought, hey, why don't we? If people are listening this far, they might want to listen yeah. to some of us goofing around. Yeah, and and just a a, a word a word of warning, I yes. guess. Yeah, I think it's probably safe. Um, you know, not not all of it is. Like, we we it's may, probably PG thirteen. It's probably yeah, probably PG thirteen. Yeah, it, it, uh, by this day's standards, yes. <laughs> yes, um, by this day's uh, standards. So just yeah, if you're if you're a little bit offended by you know maybe some uh, you know a little bit of blue language or or something like that, you may want to just fast forward. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is this is what what Paul and Brian are like. When they're not interviewing someone or talking with each other in front of a microphone. So uh, so enjoy some of the outtakes from season two. Roll it, Danny. Oh, hello. Getting ready for the day, are you? Can we count us down again? Yeah, five, four, six. Uh, <gasps> damn, got one. Just one. Damn it, Danny. One. <laughs> Solve the case of the missing base. We're working on good levels for you, Danny. Good levels. You like those good levels, Danny? Mm, you like them? <laughs> Sibilance poop stain. And my dentist's name is Crentist. Um, Crentist. Yeah, it's an office joke. Yeah, well, it's a stupid office joke. Yeah, well, you know what? Your oh. attitude sucks. I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm just a maniacally laughing man alone in a room. Um, let me put words into your ear hole next time. I've got so much to say. So much to say, so So much much to say. say. Else can I close my heart and close off my heart.
you can't you can't do anything. You can't, you, you can't fix that, Paul. You don't care about anybody but, but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's just going to be 45 minutes of this. Just make a little bit of space in your bathroom window, and I'll just put my face right there. Uh, Danny, don't, don't put any of these in an outtakes reel, or we're going <laughs> to... Twitter's going to have a field day with it. I'm going to say that again, Danny, if you don't mind cutting this. All right. Well, then, uh, Danny, uh, you're going to earn whatever we don't pay you. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So I did not mean to use such a horrible term. I really don't Um, think we can keep this in. (laughs) 19 nuns interning in an Indiana nunnery. I I sort of want to make stuff up. Be like, you know... And and Tom Corrigan is the real inventor of my pillow. So let's just let's just start a whole controversy. <laughs> Mike Lindell stole that from Tom Corrigan, um, just like that election was stolen. <laughs> Why don't we make this episode just devolve into an episode of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," where <laughs> we just scream at each other. Freshness. Okay. Maybe a little bit of extra editing there to to do yep. if you don't mind, because I was just flubbing that intro yep. all together. Oh, uh, you did you did fine. Oh, oh, thank you, sweetie. You did fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about it, and that's why I think I'm confused. Um, <laughs> we are we are the we are the best and worst. At this whole thing. Just gonna do some foley real quick while it's me walking down the stairs. <laughs> so Danny, you don't have the video, but so this is next time we're on uh on Wednesday I'll show you how I clap with one hand. Don't ask. I'm being very mature right now. Um we did two things today. Okay. That's and great. I'm, I am spent. <laughs> I can go back to painting and see if I can... Yeah. I'll drop some lunch here. Oh, I got to yeah, stop go, recording. Go get some lunch. Some lunch, Paul. Who's going to be helping me paint? I'll stop my recording, too. People don't mind that I'm here until I do this. Swagger for the Lord. Yeah. That work? I think that's great. Yeah. Totally. Cool. <laughs> I hope... I hope this makes you laugh or chuckle or something, or maybe you just skip over all of it and and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Inspire some heavy drinking. Yep. Um, screw, screw these guys. Yeah. God. Man, that guy knows his Bible. Shoot. I was intimidated. <laughs> we'll talk to you on the next episode. Episode? You can just fade that out while I'm speaking gibberish. <laughs> Oh, that's how excited I was. Professionals. Professionals. Yes, we are. Wait, were you saying goodbye to me or goodbye to Danny? Uh, bye to Danny. Oh. I just stopped the recording. All right. Ready? In three, two, one. Recordings. Huh? Oh, yeah. Stop that. Yeah, you don't have to include that. That's dumb. I'm going to go use the bathroom real quick. Sorry, I have... (coughs) 
Well, for Pete's sake, just get a bottle of water. Great. It's tickling it's my ears. Tickly. Tickling my lobes. <laughs> lobe tickler. How you doing, you old lobe tickler, you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause this. Maybe it'll make a new file. Hold on. Boop. I think it will. So yeah, that's. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. How about you, Paul? What was the worst advice you were ever, worst advice you were ever given as a worship leader? I don't know. I think I'll cut this part because this is like <laughs> what he said. I was like, we're the best podcast host. <laughs> Well, since we're going to cut this, I was going to make it. I was going to make a joke about like somebody once told me, "Don't eat yellow snow," <laughs> and I, you know what? Screw that. That's just delicious. Yeah. So, um, That's the only but- <laughs> snow I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's now. Now I've got it in yeah. my head. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Shut up, Brian. So- you don't know. It's just me and Dan. <laughs> we're having a moment. Our other our other podcast does a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I'm we're almost done. Let me see. Ah, oh, well what shit. About? What a leadership. <laughs> Let oh, me just man. snort into the microphone. <laughs> That was me for the record. I'll get for Danny. That was me snorting. Now this is me. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bio on the NDC website. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you on. I was gonna say we'll talk to you on the backside. That doesn't sound quite right. On the flip side, we'll flip you over. <laughs> nope, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> Where did we where did we leave off? It's just because we can't do this with our sense of humor. Every little thing is like a juvenile joke. Uh no. I'm I'm out. I quit. Um, I quit. Screw you guys. Um uh, excuse me. Um there you go, Danny. That one's free. That was definitely Brian. That was definitely me. Um and I'm proud of it. Proud of my gas. Okay. Would he rather we not? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's interesting that we're having the the conversation that he he's going to listen to it. Like we're talking about him like he's not in the room. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording. Uh, hey, Danny. <laughs> um, all right. So we're coming out of uh, of Mark's uh, interview in. Four and a half. Fifteen. Three. <laughs> there's, there's more gas for you, Danny. There we um, go. Extra premium content. And we're back. And we're back. So if you uh, haven't lost all respect for us after hearing uh, after hearing all of that, um, we just wanted you to know we do have 
We do have a little bit of fun uh, when we do. I this love bloopers. I love. I I seek out that I, on any DVD yes. extra or yes. I listen to it. And yeah, especially in this age of like YouTube, like yeah. just just search your favorite show and put the word bloopers after it, and you will or outtakes. Oh, I and, haven't tried that. Oh, dude, so many great, so many great things on the internet. Okay, um, so many horrible things on the internet. I'm sure as well. there are. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we just had we had a lot of fun. Yep, and uh, and. Hope you did too. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this. Your your listenership uh, makes all the difference. Uh, and really, the reason we do this is is we we do we have fun, but we do want to help worship leaders and and people who share the creative space inside and outside the church. Um, just live their lives to the fullest, and 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 live their lives with God and 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 in God, and um, and so yeah, we hope that that comes across crystal clear um, through the guests that we have on, through the conversations that that Paul and I have uh, before and after the guests. So uh, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much to we we talk about him a lot, but thank you so much to Danny Burton who who does so much to make these <laughs> to make these episodes yeah. listenable <laughs> and, and usable cuz uh the the first season i was doing pretty much all of this on my own like the, the recording the editing finding the guests all that kind of stuff to be able to just hit record and then send a file to 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 Danny and have him make it sound really great and make sense and, and edit everything together is just brilliant. Um, and so thank you to all of our wonderful guests uh, who were on this season. Uh, again, I, I said it before, but thank you to you, Paul, for, uh, for stepping in and, and just being awesome and making this, uh, making this the best podcast that I've ever recorded. Mm. The only podcast <laughs> I've ever recorded. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's definitely been so great. And and along with those thanks, thank you to our the ones who sustain us, our ongoing mm-hmm. torn curtain partners. Yep. Um, uh, I I can't name all of you right now. Um, but you know who you are. You um, know who and, you are. And you probably don't listen to this And podcast. many of you have – no, some of you. <laughs> some some do? of them do. Oh, yeah. awesome. That's great. Well, thank um, you. And thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks actually to our church partners. There oh, have yeah. been um, several. One uh, in particular that I do want to shout out is Mission Hills yep. um, Church that um, – neither Brian or I go to Mission Hills. No, I used to work there. And, but, um, and I've, I just know people there. Yeah. Um, but they know the work that we're doing mm-hmm. and they believe in it. And I yeah. think I'm absolutely humbled by that. Yeah. Um, of course, a lot of thanks to New Denver Church mm-hmm. who allows us to use space there um, to record podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, Church Cooperative of Denver yep. um, that has supported us in the past. That's great. I, I actually want to send a special thanks and a shout out to Scott um, Blanking on his last Harrison. name. Harrison? Yes. On Scott <laughs> Harrison. Scott Harrison was a development director um, and continues to guide us and, yep. and advise us um, now for free. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but um, that's great. Uh, our board of directors. Oh, they're uh, awesome. Yes. Amy, Holly, Lauren, um, you guys uh, and your wisdom and um, guidance help keep Torn Curtain afloat and keep us going in the right direction. So thank you to you. And uh, if you want to be a part of this mission, if all of the stuff that we have said earlier, like 
sounds like we're going in the right direction. It's going in your direction too. Like you see this and you want to see this in the world. Would you consider supporting us monthly or just one-time gift? You can go to torncurtainarts forward slash – I'm sorry, torncurtainarts.org forward slash donate. Or you can go to our Patreon page. Mm-hmm. You can give there. Um, uh, we want as many people as we can who want to see the church become healthier and want to see creatives become healthier. Yeah. So um, please consider joining us or if you can't do that, just like and review the podcast. Just yeah. simple things like that yep. really help uh, as well. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, send this. If, you, if you're if you listening to this and, and you think another worship leader uh, could benefit from, from hearing uh, the kinds of things that we talk about, please let them know. And like uh, like Paul said, leave leave a review, uh, rate us on whatever uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to this on. Um, that does help. Uh, also, just get the word out. So, um, th- thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. Uh, keep an eye on our socials and and uh, wherever else you follow us uh, for more information about the next uh, season of Chasing Sunday coming out. Again, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. And, Love you. Uh, we'll be back soon. Yeah. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig-Levitt, with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA and to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.